0: Kyle Krabs here host of locked on NFL scouting join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft check out the locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts what's going on Dolphins fans Kyle Krabs your host here on locked on Dolphins today is the Wednesday February 23rd 2022 edition of the show Unexpected tweak in the programming, and we'll explain why here in just a minute. But we're looking at some of the free agents-to-be that the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion, based on the perceived vision of this football team, should be interested in prioritizing in free agency at the start of the league counter year next month.
2: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And uh little change in direction here for what we're planning on talking about today. We are, of course, doing the defensive appraisal performance appraisal this week on the show we did offensive appraisal last week after the hiring of coach mcdaniel and getting a better under understanding of who was going to be running the offense and what that was going to look like from an assistant coach's perspective well we know on the defensive side of the football the vast majority of the coaching staff is back which gives us a good opportunity to have a working understanding of what this is going to look like which is why today on the show we're putting defensive backs on the back burner because we got an extra show this week to work with and we're talking about free agency I want to thank you guys for making lockdown Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day and I'm pumped to dig into free agency and you guys can thank my supervisor from a content perspective uh, the director of content over at the draftnetwork.com Jamie Eisner for this show as he hit me up uh, over the weekend. I was like, hey, I got a content idea for you. I'm going to have you write. I was like, okay, that's great. Get through the first portion of the week. and Yesterday rolls around and he says, hey, I want you to write six free agency targets, three on each side of the football for the Miami Dolphins. Do you think you can do that? I said, do you think I can do that? I'll pretend you didn't ask. I'll have it on your desk this afternoon. So I put the article together. And I really enjoyed how the list came out. I actually gave seven names, uh, went above and beyond. And I joked uh, when I shared the article, which which posted yesterday over the draft network.com, and we're going to work through it here and now, but um, I joked, I couldn't in good conscience just put down one offensive lineman on a list of, of three players on the offensive side of the ball because of how bad the offensive line was last year. So with that in mind, three players on each side of the football that I think the Dolphins should pursue aggressively and sign in free agency next month. The first player that I want to highlight and I'll or I'll list these these players in the order that we usually do. We start quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. And that's kind of just as a scout that's how my brain orders the positions on the field. Raheem Mostert running back San Francisco 49ers. He's going to be 30 years old this season. He's only played in nine football games over the course of the last two seasons, Uh, but he was a featured ball carrier for San Francisco when he was healthy in 2020. And in 2019, he had 10 touchdowns and almost a thousand yards of scrimmage on, I think 159 touches. This is not the solution to Miami's problem, but I look at the backs that they have, and we went through the back appraisal, and we talked about Duke Johnson and how I'd like to have Duke Johnson back, and I could take or leave almost anybody else on the roster. But Raheem Mostert has had success and experience in this exact offense, and I don't think that's something that we should turn our noses up to and take for granted. You know, this is a scheme change. The language is probably going to be different. The concepts are going to be new. And for Miami's perspective as a young team, having a couple of guys who have a little bit of experience under their belt with what they're going to be asked to do in this system, I think has a lot of value. And that's where Raheem Mostert, I'm not signing him to be the featured back. And I think it's important for us to to keep in mind He's played in nine games the last two years. He's not going to be a $6 million a year player. He's probably not even going to be a $3 million a year player. But if you can get Raheem Mostert on a two-year, $4 million deal to come to Miami, and at the very least be the de facto guy early on because he knows what the heck is going on while everybody else doesn't, I think that's an investment worth making to add some experience into the running back room. Is it a home run signing? No. Is it really going to move the needle and save the offensive backfield and the running game for the dolphins? No, but it's a signing that makes too much sense for me to not recommend. My next one, however, uh, is an aggressive uh, approach to the tight end position. And it's not Mike Gesicki; it's Dalton Schultz, tight end from the Dallas Cowboys. And here was the bl- the blurb and snippet that I had written down uh, for this analysis when I listed Dalton Schultz on the list of six players for the Dolphins, seven players for the Dolphins uh, over at the DraftNetwork.com. The Dolphins are set to see tight end Mike Gusecki hit the free agent market as well as backup Durham Smythe. The funny thing about both is Smythe is technically the starting tight end, and Gesecki is a glorified receiver. This means the wide tight end role in Miami's offense is wide open, and if the Dolphins choose to let Gusecki hit the road, they'll have a potential $10 million per year player leaving, opening the door for some big spending in the tight end room. Yes, the team drafted Hunter Long in the third round of the 2021 NFL draft, but Schultz is coming off a massive season in which he bested all of the numbers posted by Gasecki, and he's absolutely more capable of playing a traditional tight end role with his hand in the dirt. If the Dolphins want a traditional tight end to fulfill their primary role in McDaniel's presumed 12-21 and heavy personnel offense, Schultz is the, quote, do-it-all player who warrants getting paid at the tight end position for the Dolphins. So I know that's a bit of a take but he had more receptions, more receiving yards, and more touchdowns than Mike Iseki did last year. And he's got more receptions, more receiving yards, and more touchdowns than Mike Iseki does over the last two seasons. He's a very productive football player, and he could play the Y. So I get the concept of blending and tailoring your offense to the players that you have, but Mike is not under contract. And if you have a choice to pay $10, $12 million to a player in Mike whose attachment to the team is, well, he's been here for four years, or to a player like Dalton Schultz, who fits the more traditional model of the wide tight end in this offense, I personally would go in the direction of Dalton Schultz. That's me. That's just my opinion. And if Mike's back, I'm not going to be mad that Mike's back. I like Mike Gusecki a ton as a receiving tight end in the NFL. He's a great guy in the locker room. He busts his tail. You can very clearly tell that he cares about the game He's passionate when he plays. You could do a whole lot worse. You could do a hell of a lot worse than Mike Kosaki. But I couldn't help but note if you have that conversion opportunity as far as the style of the player that's getting that level of compensation, you're not getting a drop off in receiving production and you're getting better as an all around player. And him and Hunter Long gives you a really exciting one to potential punch as traditional tight ends who both can. Be productive in the passing game in time. So, all of that adds up uh, to Dalton Schultz being a name that was higher up on my personal list as well. Football season is over, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. But it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right down to any and every sport you could possibly hope for. Head to the website today or use your mobile, mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We wouldn't talk about the offensive side of the ball without some offensive linemen, right? Teron Armstead, he made the list. Duh. Of course he did. There's big spending and then there's big spending. And Teron Armstead is big spending. Um, he's probably going to get $20 million per, if not a little more. And um, I, I think about the athletic profile that he has as a player would very clearly fit wide and outside zone concepts. He's, this is one of the most athletic tackles in the league. And I came across some numbers for Tehran that I think are pretty relevant. Jesse Davis has been a primary starting offensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins since 2017, but he's been a full-time starter since 2018. 18, 19, 20, 21. Four years, four seasons. And in those four seasons, Jesse Davis has yielded 20 sacks, 163 pressures, on 2,600 pass block snaps. Again, 20 sacks, 163 pressures, 2,600 pass blocking snaps since 2018. Teron Armstead has conceded 20 sacks, the same as Jesse Davis, and 131 pressures, 32 less than Jesse Davis, for his entire career, which began in 2013, including 3,463 pass-blocking snaps. So in nearly an additional one 1000 snaps he's conceded the same amount of sacks and 32 less pressures than Jesse Davis going back to 2013 to now versus 2018 to now that opportunity cost at either offensive tackle spot for the dolphins is massive And it's not one I'm ready to pass up on. I understand you have some concerns with durability. I have some concerns with durability. But I was just talking to a friend of mine who covers the Dolphins. And he made the observation, if you get 13 games at Toronto Armstead and you got to start Austin or Liam or anybody else for four games, isn't that still worth it? And I sat back and I said, damn, you know what? He's got a point. He's got a point. So I'm in on this, but I'm also, this is where my plus one comes because it's supposed to be three and three on either side of the ball, right? I do have a plus one on the offensive side of the ball. It's another offensive lineman. And this is a name that a couple of, of listeners to the show have presented. Joe Noteboom, Joseph Noteboom. Offensive lineman, I call him offensive lineman for a reason, from the LA Rams. He has taken at least one snap at four different spots along the offensive line throughout the course of his career. He's primarily been a left tackle, but he's played in other places. He's played left guard, he's played right guard, and he's played right tackle. Joe Noteboom came into the league to the Rams as a developmental, highly athletic offensive tackle out of TCU. And he has not been able to lock down a permanent starting job because the Rams have had a couple of emergent players on the inside. Offensive tackle transitions like David Edwards have done well. But they also have had a 40-something-year-old offensive tackle who just refuses to ride off into the sunset in Andrew Whitworth. That's probably going to change this offseason, and that's going to open the starting spot at left tackle. But if Boom nope, is primed to hit free agency. And remember, the McVay coaching tree is a cousin of the McDaniel playbook, offensive style, and system. And Nopoom has produced well when he's had opportunities to get into the game. So this is a player who is a bit of a roll of the dice. He's the opposite of Raheem Moster, right? There's still familiarity in the system, and that's key. But. This is a player who has not been well-established and highly productive. This is a player who has shown bright flashes and is young, but you could potentially get for a discount because he has not been a full-time starter to this point in time. If you cut Jesse Davis and you save the $4 million, $4.5 million, whatever it is, and you take that and you were able to get Joe Noteboom for six, and that's a total guess on my part, I have no idea what his financial market is going to look like. But if that is a relatively close one-for-one one, and you can replace a 30-something-year-old offensive lineman who has proven with a track record that he's not productive as a starting offensive lineman, but he can play four spots and replace him with a young, athletic, potential something who can all play all four spots, a side of center, that's a no-brainer to me. That's a no-brainer potential transition for the Dolphins. So Joe Nopu. If I were signing offensive players, the first four names that I would would look to, Raheem Mostert, Toronto Armstead, Dalton Schultz, Joe Nobu, and Mac Collins as a re-sign would be on that list. So would Duke Johnson, but that kind of lost the spirit of the idea of the article, which brings me to my next player on the list. And it's another defensive player. Uh, which also loses the spirit of the article because it's a player who was under contract for the Dolphins last year, Emmanuel Agba. Of course, I didn't push for Gusecki's retention, but I am going to push for Agba's retention. Now, I still would like to see the Dolphins, if you're not planning on keeping Gusecki in the fray, potentially try to manufacture a tag, tag and trade and do so quickly so you're not eating up cap space, and then you can go ahead and bring in Dalton Schultz. But Emmanuel Ogbo, over the last two seasons signed a two year, $15 million contract with the team. 18 sacks, 45 quarterback hits, and 17 passes defense. He turns 29 on November of 2022. He's got three years in him. Give him a four year deal. Put all the guaranteed money in the first three years. And if you got a cup bait, you can do it after that, that fourth year. Plays a premium position. He very clearly is taken with the Dolphins. He has enjoyed his time here. He's been productive here. He fits the system. There's no mystery guesswork here. Let's not create a hole for ourselves that we are then going to have to fill because letting Emmanuel Agba go and saying, well, Sealer and Andrew Van Ginkle will fill in the gaps. I don't think that's an acceptable outcome. You're going to have to draft somebody, and you're going to need to draft somebody reasonably high or sign somebody else. Here's what, and we we speculated this, on the Monday episode of the show. Here's what perhaps the thought process is. He plays a premium position, but some of the other players that are available to be re-signed at the edge group for this group, this cycle, you've got Chandler Jones. You've got Harold Landry. You've got Von Miller. You've got Chandler, uh, you've got um, Dante Fowler, Calais Campbell, Jason Pierre-Paul, Jerry Hughes, Jadavion Clowney, Hassan Redick, Melvin Ingram. You start doing the math, and you start realizing: well, if some of these teams exhaust their spending power quickly, Emmanuel Agba might not get what would be perceived as fair market price. So if he prefers to come back to Miami, and Miami wants to get a deal done, but they want to see what the market value is first, if guys like Harold Landry and Chandler Jones and Melvin Ingram, if those guys, Calais Campbell, Dante Fowler, if those guys come off the board first, they may dry up the well a little bit, which might help the Dolphins. A risk, no doubt. A risk I wouldn't have the stones to make or to take on. But it seems to be the one, at least at this point in time, that the the, the Dolphins are willing to take. Bilt Bar's protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and there's no risk involved with Bilt Bar. These things are absolutely positively delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They've got 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And best of all, they are absolutely positively delicious. Right now, you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. I cheated again because I put Nick Needham down on the list. And if you've listened to ever since I took over this show ahead of the 2020 off season, Nick Needham's been a player who I've been skeptical of buying into, at least early in his career. He played in 2019 because he had opportunities as a UDFA and the Dolphins were bare bones in the secondary. He was undisciplined. He was grabby. He wasn't overly productive, but he played his ass off, and you could easily respect that. So going into 2020, it was like, hey, there's an upgrade opportunity here. And then Nick continued to struggle a little bit with penalties and discipline and ball production, and you enter 2021, and once again it was, hey, there's a potential upgrade opportunity here. But every time the Dolphins brought somebody in, Nick ended up beating that dude out. And I have a great deal of respect for Nick for continuing to make the most of his opportunities the way that he has and continue to hang tough and continue to work and get better as a football player. There's no question 2021 was Nick Needham's best season as a member of the Miami Dolphins. Played on the outside, played on the inside, played at safety, plays on special teams, and plays his ass off every single time his his cleats touch the field. Credit to Nick Needham. And he's a restricted free agent. so. The Dolphins should not have an issue with putting a second-round tender on Nick Needham, and if somebody wants to give you a second-round pick to sign Nick Needham in free agency, I'm not going to weep over over that because that means somebody is, in my opinion, overpaying for your fourth, if not fifth, best defensive back. If you're going to twist my arm, okay, like we'll, we'll go ahead and make that exchange. And you can use that, too, in any number of different ways. But he is somebody who, at this point in time, the economics just makes so much sense not to bring back. And that's what's tough about the defense is we didn't do the defensive yet. We're doing that tomorrow on the show. A lot of likable performances from the defensive front seven. You know you need some linebacker help, and that's where free agency is going to come in for us next. But maintaining as much of this nucleus is going to be an important part of trying to make this work amidst the head coaching change. Which brings us to our last player. It's an inside linebacker. It's a replacement for Elan and Roberts. It's Alexander Johnson of the Denver Broncos. His 2019 and 2020 season showcased this is a player who could be very productive and play the run at a very high level, not be a liability against the pass. He's 255 pounds. And um, he's really, really good tackler. And that's something that Elan and Roberts is not. Here's the factoid. Over Alexander Johnson's last 2,118 snaps, he's missed 15 tackles. 2,118 snaps since 2019. 15 missed tackles. Elander Roberts last year in 621 snaps, a.k.a. almost one quarter of the snaps Johnson's played since 2019, Roberts missed one less tackle, 14. 14 in one year, 600 snaps versus 2,118 snaps, 15 missed tackles for Alexander Johnson. And he's bigger. He's like 15 pounds bigger. He's longer. He's a good player. Um, He's going to be right around 30 years old. He's probably going to be a guy who's $8 million per, uh, but with the Dolphins spending power that they have, I would rather pay some premium dollars at some of the non-premium positions and really have high-level play in those groups, and then let's continue to chase player development and potentially through the draft some of those other assets uh, at premium positions, whether it is if it has to be a pass rusher, you be a pass rusher. But uh, if it has to be a second offensive tackle, it can be a second offensive tackle and see what you come up with. So those are the players for me. We had Raheem Mostert, Tron Armstead, Dalton Schultz, Joe Nopum on offense, Emmanuel Ogman, Nick Needham, Alexander Johnson on defense. I think you can if you can somehow manage to not even bat a thousand on those, but if you can get five out of seven, I think you've really set yourself up well to then continue with the second wave of free agency, which will come right before the draft and the draft itself to be much more flexible with how you choose to approach your team building process from here. from here, the rest of this week, as we said, we're going over defensive back performance appraisals tomorrow on the show and then power to the pot on Thursday night for Friday. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on locked on dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed, make it a great Wednesday. and I'll talk with you again tomorrow. Fins up.